Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Venice and horror on the Orient Express. And so we have an awful lot to get to, but we will not forget to thank you, our listeners, and especially our patrons who help support the show. If you'd like to join us, you can do so at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. And now the briefest of introductions to my right. Hi, this is Mike. I play James Robert Fraser and I'm uh, stumbling about in the dark a little bit. Indeed, indeed, to his right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy and uh, I've just had an interesting family meeting. Tend to agree with you. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm in the middle of a giant cuckoo clock. Um, something to that effect, yes. Uh, to Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I'm wondering if these simulacrum parts could possibly free me from my fleshy human prison. I mean, I'd ha- be happy to see you investigate that. And last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin and I'm playing Richard Courtney and uh, Richard is overjoyed. He's got a new toy or rather an old toy. Also axes and night vision goggles. <laughs> yes. Be careful what you wish for, Professor. So we raised the curtain tonight in the clock tower. Just moments ago, down at the base of the tower, a very interesting meeting happened. One which has been on the minds of all of us for some time. And now, left to her own devices and the darkness of the Rissignani Palazzo, Lady Elizabeth can hear voices coming down from the top of the clock tower. This once beautiful tower is funneling all of those noises, all of the voices at the top, down to her. And before we stop up to the top here and get an idea of what your fellow investigators might be attempting, I'd like to get a a snapshot, an idea of what Lady Elizabeth is going to do with her time down here at the bottom. So I think I'm a bit too agitated to sit back down because of this confrontation I've just had with Alexander. And he also suggested working together and I don't really like that idea but also now I'm thinking about well I want to open my book but I don't really want to work with him so I think I'm pacing a bit up and down with my walking stick listening to what's upstairs but also just really really thinking about what am I going to do with this half brother that is a great question an excellent excellent question for you to ponder so we'll leave you there for the for just the moment and we'll go say about five floors up and take a look at our friends in 
the top of the tower. When we left this group of four, Maggie had made it very clear that she was going to be inspecting some of these automatons. And the professor and Simon had joined them in hopes of ferreting out where the next piece of the simulacrum was with uh, the professor's wonderful device. And I know that Mr. Fraser had done his best to try to keep an eye on where Maggie was going, especially given that he knows that there is something on the outside of this tower that is bound to cause trouble. Yes, I think um, uh, as I have a limited supply of, uh, of matches uh, in my matchbox, uh, I will um, try to be judicious with them. Um, I think this is this is a point now where I'm going to need to to strike a match because I can see that there are these shapes of these figurines, uh, whatever they are, uh, around here. There's uh, some sort of mechanical apparatus, which I'm guessing must be the works of the uh, the clock tower. There's probably going to be bells up above somewhere as well. So I shall. Uh, I think I shall strike a match just to see if I can get uh, a better image of uh, of the, the place that I'm in. Um, and just try and fix that that image in my head. Okay. When you strike the match, you get a, a little bit better of an idea about what surrounds you. So in the immediacy in front of you, you see a beautiful angel. One of these automatons is mostly pretty much directly in front of you. And to its left, the lion further down this crouched figure with a club. And then at the far end of this portion to your left, uh, you see this small boy next to some machinery. The match doesn't give you a ton of light, but you do see that if you were to go on the right side of the angel, you could almost pick your way into some of the center platform area to get around some of the automatons to continue that investigation. So Mr. Fraser has the photographic memory talent and i'm wondering if this uh, assists in this kind of situation obviously it's photographic memory is more more usually referred to in terms of memorizing text that kind of thing but i don't know if maybe his ability to just hold a hold a picture hold an image in in his head of what he's seen will uh, will aid him when his when the match goes out and he'll be able to just sort of be able to keep moving, working as much on memory uh, as on the uh, the dim outline that he'll be able to see by the small amount of moonlight that he's going to have. I would say so. Uh, I would. The only caveat that I would put on it, and something that his rather keen um, mind would probably also understand, and that would be once the clock tower begins to move and signal at the next time, mm-hmm. all of those shapes are going to move. Now yeah, they'll move absolutely. in a specific accordance, but he'll have some sort of internal guidance as to where they are, at least these four for sure. The photograph memory, there's no role for it. It, it. That's an easy make for him. Yeah, so he's anything that's kind of fixed, he's got a pretty good idea exactly where it is, where the edge of the platform is and that sort of thing. Um, but yes, obviously you can see that there are all sorts of moving parts and there's some sort of track or something like that that they seem to move along. Um, uh, and and also get an idea of where Maggie is at the moment. So that's a great question. So let's let's hop over onto the divine being known as Margaret Bellinger, Maggie to her friends. <laughs> and let's ask her, given that she wanted to investigate the space and move forward, 
Would she be already in that central portion of the platform? Oh, almost certainly. Okay. I, what I want to know is where does her investigative eyes go to? I mean, there are, there are automatons all over the place. And so, so she would have swept through that first row of them to get deeper in, but she feels that same kind of coldness all around here. Now it isn't as directed anymore. Yeah. I know Maggie would try to hone in on that feeling if she could, Mm -hmm. But if not, she would try to be as methodical as possible in her search and would probably just go left to right. Because left is right and right is wrong. (laughs) Okay, so I suppose then I will give you the first spot hidden roll. Each automaton takes, to actually do a full search of them, takes about a minute or so to get all up and close in their uh, personal space and rub up on their legs and whatnot. Well, just their legs, really. I mean, I, I don't really, expect the leg to be anywhere else. It's your choice. <laughs> I will check their inseams, yeah. Okay, so you're going to uh, get frisky with this angel then first? Yeah. That would be a 25. Alrighty. Under 31. Okay. Professor, you and Simon have uh, landed on this upper space where they're at, and you see Maggie walk forward off of this platform section, and she goes directly to the automaton in front of them as Fraser has lit a match and is trying to get his bearings. She's patting them down if she's a police officer. Uh, She's really getting in close to some of the costuming and the, the workings of it to try to discern these Gramancy automatons uh, where their secrets hide. And for for that portion of it to Miss Bellinger, you would get an idea that these Gramancy automatons are a master's work. They're fantastic. They're not just simply wood pieces that have had some costuming put over them. They're works of art. Mm-hmm. It makes sense why you needed the leg then. Certainly. And kind of begin to put that, stitch that into your head. It helps at least to know that there was a reason behind it. Professor, what are you and Simon doing? So I suppose Richard's first thought is he's got the device on and he can see all these threads and everything going on. So I guess he would imagine that the device should show him where the uh, piece of the simulacrum is. Boy, if only it was that simple, right? Hmm. Only it was that simple. So when you get up here and the um, device is churning, it's mechanical clicking as you're trying to discern things through it, you kind of cast this pale, almost dark pink cloud over everything. And that's true of people external, right? So there's a glow in his eyes on the other side of the, the device. And so that doesn't necessarily give you light so much to read by but it does add another another additional light to the space you get up here professor and the threads that are here are pure chaos they're everywhere and trying to figure out where the source of them lie at is going to take you a little bit of time but i will give you a spot hidden roll if you'd like it something very specific a hard spot hidden and he is looking in the direction of legs, obviously. 
I need a spot hidden. Roll the dice are so far over there, I can't see them. Uh, that's a 12, which is an extreme success. Oh, fantastic. Your eyes are drawn to the right, to the twilight, moonlight given off here. As it comes through the window and gives the space a little bit more what we would call natural resonance. And there affixed against the clock face is a haughty figure. You see him through the clock face. You see this visage, this nobleman's visage from centuries ago. The device helps you pick up his pattern. And what is truly disturbing about his pattern his existence is that where he goes, the threads snap. You see them one by one as he places his hands on portions of the wall and of the uh, clock arms, the clock hands, I should say, the clock hands. As he places his hands there, you see those little tenuous threads begin to burn and snap away. And all that's left is starless void um uh simon uh, there's can you see that over there uh near the near the clock face afraid not um there appears to be a, a an old gentleman i think the other side of it you're saying there's an old gentleman staring in from this five stories up on the clock i know it sounds ridiculous but that's exactly what i'm seeing I suggest we uh, back away slowly. That don't sound right. Look, Professor, do you see something like a pipe or a two by four or something I can swing? Because I'm not going to, you don't want me shooting a gun in here. Uh, no, quite. Do I see any uh, improvised weapons? Well, there's the, a scythe over there that the, the death statue has. There's uh, the, the angel seems to have. Um, no, that, that's not a that's not a weapon. That's something else. This conversation, of course, is not unknown to Mister Fraser, who can hear them talking behind him. So that's something you would pick up on that they're that they're talking about finding a weapon and somebody on the clock face. Yes, uh, I think so. As I'm, we're already aware that uh, person we believe is possibly the the Comte Fenelik has been climbing up the side of the tower. Yeah, so he'll he'll kind of. Whisper back. What? You can you can see the you can see the cunt. Where is he? Yes, he's, he's the other side of the clock face. What? Hanging on to the uh, hanging on to the ledge or something. I'm not entirely sure. What's he doing? Well, I'm going to strain my eyes in that direction to see if I can make out any shape through the um, through, through the face of the clock. Maybe it's hard to say. Maybe it's a cloud. Maybe it's. Maybe it's just shadow play. Is this something that Maggie would hear them discussing as well? Certainly. My question to you, though, oh, divine one, would be, would you give a shit? Well, he could possibly help me. That's a fair, fair assessment. We've discussed things before. I feel like he's really on my side with freeing me from this fleshy human form. Hmm. I tend to agree. You said he's out. he's outside, Richard? Yes. Yes, he is. I bet he could help me. Maggie wants to see if she can open the doors to get outside. Wonderful. 
So um, I will say that you have had about a minute to touch, be touched by an angel, to touch an angel, um, and you have not found the simulacrum leg piece on the angel. Yeah, Ma- Maggie and Miranda both think it's outside. Of course, <laughs> it's not gonna be inside, <laughs> but it could be anywhere. Who knows? I think it sounds like Richard isn't able to see where it's at, but the the, the comp wants to. He he's helpful with me. We've discussed in the past, so like maybe he can show me. It'll be faster that way, faster to free myself. Mr. Fraser, you do notice before the match gets too uh, unbearable to hold beyond the automatons here in front of you, there is a line of them on the other side of the clock tower. But more importantly, you do see that there is a bell above you. Yes, I thought uh, that might be the case. I can't uh, make out whether there's any figures outside of these, these automata. Can I... You'd have to go to the nearby small doors to find yeah, out for that's sure. What I was thinking. You do not see I, when you were looking up hmm. outside when you were at the bottom. You didn't see any out there, but you were way more concerned about what the count was doing. A little strange to see a man scaling a tower yeah. by hand. Yeah, that was a bit disconcerting. Yeah, I think uh, which is the nearest uh, figure to me? The angel, still the nearest figure. Okay, so which would be the next one along? Because obviously I've been able to see that Maggie's been um, searching that figure and she doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have mm-hmm. remarked on anything there, so yeah. I'm guessing that she's not found anything. To the left of the angel is the lion. Okay. Now, the if, if you go left here, you go away from the doors that would lead outside, the little tiny doors that would lead outside. Well, I mean, I'm not really terribly keen to go outside if that's uh, where uh, the guy who was scaling this massive clock is currently. So uh, yeah, I think I'll I think I'll stay in inside for uh, for the time being, unless it becomes apparent that Maggie is trying to get outside, in which case that might uh, that might that might change my my focus slightly. You know, sure enough, it does. As um, Miss Ballinger takes a very few direct steps towards those doors, she's a she's a she's a person of action these days. It seems. Miss Ballinger, where are you going? Oh, damn it! At this stage, that match goes out, to drop it before I burn my fingers. Oh, um, no worries, Mister Fraser. I'm just going to pop outside and talk to the Comte, and he'll help me find the leg. It'll be faster this way. No, he won't. He's he's not. I don't know why you think he's on our side, but he's not. Mister Fraser, you're under my protection now. It will be fine. What Nothing do you mean will- under your protection? What are you talking about? No harm will come to you. What? What? What's? What's wrong with you? What, what are you talking about? You're not making any sense, woman. Oh, contraire! Nothing is wrong with me. Everything is right now. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Wait! Wait! Wait for me. I'll come with you. So, uh, Maggie, are you waiting? No, not really. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Uh, so when you approach these two small doors, which lead outside, they're, they're um, you know, saloon type kind of clock doors that are on here. Uh, they do seem to be held fast by some sort of internal latching mechanism, uh, which could be overridden, of course, by your divine strength, clearly, uh, mm-hmm. or could be overridden by one of your uh, many followers. Yes. Mr. Fraser, might you open this door for me? No. You said you were going to go outside with me. 
It's, it's not safe out there. For, for, for one thing, we're hundreds of feet up in the air. If, if you lose your footing, you'll, you, you won't survive the fall. Nonsense. What do you mean? It's not nonsense at all. L- listen, just stay, stay in here with us, Professor, Mister um, Griffith. Please, come on. Yes, uh, Mister Griffith is very strong. Mister Griffith, we have proven before that brawn overpowers brains. Might you come open this door for me? I can't see the door. Uh, just come to my voice. It's right over here. I ain't Pavlov's dog. Maggie will go on a long diatribe about how that comparison isn't truly accurate. So, um, all of those things, the, the much the, uh, the, the raised voices are what you begin to hear, Lady Elizabeth. Your compatriots are filling the clock tower here with their raised voices. Could we perhaps advance the time on the clock so that the doors open on their own? Miss Ballinger, we, we're, we're here to, to collect the leg. Let's let's focus on that for the time being. We can worry about what time it is. Uh, don't forget, if if the clock chimes the hour, we'll be we'll be deafened by that bell up there. Do you see it? I don't need my ears to hear. What? All right, uh, do you still have the cloth in your ears, uh, uh, Professor? Right, you got your cloth in. Uh, pardon? I, I can't hear you. I've got some in my ears. Look, Miss Maggie, we are in the dark. I can't see for anything. I can barely hear you, but that's probably for the best because I'm worried about when the bell goes off. Mr. Fraser is absolutely right. Do not want to go out there. Can we just find the leg and go back to the hotel? That's what I'm trying to do. And then Maggie will try to open the doors on her own. Fantastic. Why don't you make me a strength roll? Okay. Miss Bellinger. And I think it would only be fitting if the Hand of Fate assists you in this oh, regard. Oh, thank you. Am, am, I, am I close enough to her to try and prevent her from trying to get in between her and the door? Um, yeah, I think that you're probably close enough to interdict her, but I think she gets at least a roll at it because she can see. And you probably would not see her. Yeah, how can she see? That's another weird thing. Yeah, no, that, Presumably, I can see that she's making a, a kind of a, a fairly much of a beeline towards the thing she wants to go to. And that's a bit weird as well. Thanks to the lovely, generous hand of fate, Meg has rolled a 31 under 35. Fantastic. Maggie, you feel the right side of these two doors begin to come away from its moorings. You can tell that. Your divine strength is finally coming through and the, do- mm-hmm. the door is going to bend to your will. And it's the creaking of that wood, Mr. Fraser, that tips you off that she's made it to the door. And so you, you hustle into action, at least towards the sound, because you know that it, she can't be far. The doors can't be more than 10 or so feet from where you're standing. She's trying to let him in. Miss, Miss, Miss Ballinger, Miss Ballinger, you're not in your right senses Please, please stop what you're doing. It's, you're putting us at great danger. I'm in my best senses. I see everything clearly now. No, no, you're not. You're not. Mr. Please. Fraser, if you are too scared of what's happening, I understand it's hard for the human brain to comprehend. I know that I had to move past that to get to where I am now. But you are welcome to go back down the stairs and, and join Lady Elizabeth. You're... you're, you're... You're raving, Miss Bellinger. You're, you're not making any sense at all. What, what, you're, what you're saying? No, it's not right. No, 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 I can't let you do it. 
Professor, what's going on? They're yelling. Can you see what they're doing? Uh, yes, I believe Maggie's trying to open the clock to her door. Why? Lead me over there. We gotta stop her. Yes, okay. Grab, grab onto my um, shoulder. All right. I'd like to know first, though, You can the two of you can be led over there one by another, but uh, I'd like to know, Fraser, are you are you physically trying to stop her from opening the door? I think I kind of have to at least try and get in the way. Uh, it, it occur, it's occurred to me that perhaps she'll listen to um, Professor Courtney because she and him uh, appear to uh, to get on fairly well. Um, maybe she, maybe he can talk some sense into her. So it's funny that you assume that Professor Courtney would try to stop me from doing these things. I just have my doubt. It's an option of last resort. <laughs> So I guess this is what I'd like then. There hasn't been any aggressive moves made toward one another. So I'll just say this. Uh, You are able, with the moonlight available, Mr. Fraser, once you get closer to the clock face, you can see a lot more definition because you're closer to the moonlight, obviously. And so you can interdict yourself directly in her way. You likely have her on size, I would guess. I think so. Um, uh, He's a fairly big guy, fairly kind of broad-shouldered tall maggie he he puts himself directly in your way he he squeezes past you and i don't know that he makes i'm not going to put any aggressive words in his mouth but he gets in your way so that you're not able to to continue pulling at the door he's certainly far too much of a of a, a gentleman to actually lay hands on her um in any um sort of aggressive physical way but he does m- make sure that he's kind of blocking her uh, her passage and he's size 70, so he's 15 points a size higher than, than Maggie. He's got a little bit of an... Uh, he's not as broad-shouldered and as, as bullish as maybe Simon is, but Simon's also blind at the moment, essentially. My first thought is, sometimes when you're trying to open a door and pulling on it doesn't work, you push to open it. And my immediate thought is to push Fraser into the door to open it. Okay... Fantastic. So here's what I'll say. I think that's a brawl roll. I think if she's trying to push you through the door, okay. it's a brawl roll. I mean, because she's not necessarily trying to do damage, but she is trying to push you effectively out of her way. Yeah, sort of opposed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, sure. This is an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. For well, sure. hopefully that's, I mean, I'm trying, that's what I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be an immovable object. I don't yeah. want to strike her. And I don't, you know, I don't want to avoid her per se, mm-hmm. but I just want to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm replacing the door yeah. um, in effect. That's I think then that's what I'll attention. say. On a successful brawl roll by you, Mr. Fraser, you won't move an inch, right? But okay. should you fail, obviously you will move in some direction. Okay. Do I need to roll? Oh, anything? absolutely. That's, that's brawl. It's fighting brawl. I thought that's what I was rolling brawl as well, but I wasn't all sure. around. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Fraser's not. He's yeah. No, that's okay. Maggie failed. He's not uh, a, a, in any way a a boxer or a you know a, a fighter in the, that respect. So he, his brawl isn't particularly high. Seventy six over thirty two. Seventy three over thirty six. Okay. So you both not much <laughs> difference between you, them. Actually, you both <laughs> failed miserably, which is really fantastic. Maggie, you. You go to to push him through the door, and Fraser, you don't necessarily move back through the door, but 
she does push you up against the door and you feel the firmness of the door buckle a little. You are certain of one thing. The door is open out, not in. And you get a little concerned for a moment because the way she pushed you was not playful in the least. She was trying to push you out of her way. Mr. Griffith, Professor Courtney, a little help here. Gentlemen, as you were, as if you'd like to jump in, um, you are the only one of the two that can see, Professor, and everything is bathed in pink and dark, and that big black spot keeps moving. Uh, right, come on, Simon. Um, can you see anything through the clock face? Is, is the moonlight helping him at all? Can I make a spot hidden to try and see what's going on since I'm closer now? Certainly. It is at disadvantage, but go right ahead. That would be a 53, so that'll be a fail. Okay. There's moonlight here, but they've moved back to that door. So they've kind of slipped into the, the shadow away from the clock face. And so that's a little hard. Professor, you can see what, what is in front of you. You see Maggie trying to push Fraser out these doors. Maggie, um, I, I think you should stop that. Um, the, the man outside, he's, um has an aura of death about him. I, I, Whatever you believe, I fear he might kill you if he touches you. Of course he has an aura of death. He's dead. He's a ghost. No, no, I mean of, of death. I, I don't mean he's dead. Well, he, I'm sure he is dead, but um, it, it looks like whatever he's touching is being destroyed. The, the being ripped from the fabric of reality. It doesn't look pleasant. Maggie, you're going to continue pushing your way out? Well, what if one of the automatons out there has the leg? I, I, I don't believe there are any out there. They're all in here. We should We should look in here first. Perhaps we could just talk to him through the door. Hello? Comte? We're in here. Please, Miss Bellager, please will he listen to sense. We just need to find this thing or get out of here. You don't get an answer, Maggie. Hmm. Maggie inside is a little disappointed. She does think the Comte will come talk to her later, and usually these items are things that draw him to her so finding the leg might be a good idea but also she feels a little bad that she's scaring her flock as the shepherd of this flock she feels a little bad that they're so frightened Uh, so she would probably want to uh, calm their fears Maggie Maggie will take a deep breath and calm down and stop pushing Fraser towards the door she she does seem to, to calm for a moment well, he doesn't seem to want to talk to me now. He may be gone. I was just could have gotten out there faster. Well, let's let's let let's resume our search while while we have time. Uh, I don't like leading leaving our ladyship down on our own down at the bottom. Uh, Speaking of her ladyship, we're going to go back to her because I would like her to make a listen roll for me. Oh God. Okay, it's pretty good actually. I'm not sure that that's a good thing in this situation though. That's a 12 under 60. Okay, hard success. What horrible things do I hear? Mm, That's a great question. Um, So you hear other voices, voices at the ground level in Italian. Rather aggravated. Some shouting going on. And you have learned a little bit of Italian since you've been here. And what you can make out is they are asking one another if this building has been searched. Has this been searched? Search over here. So is there a place in this 
area where I can try and hide in a shadow or something. Oh, there's shadows all over the place, certainly. The Ritzignani Palazzo has got this really, really big open space as well. It's got all sorts of rooms, but having searched the lower area previously, you are well aware of the fact that there are no doors down here. Everything is open. And so people searching this space will just, like a knife through butter, be able to easily get what they need. And as that notion comes full force into your brain, you start seeing torchlight. You start seeing torches dance along the side of the alleyway here that leads to the front door or the side door that you can see. Are there any pillars or any furniture, anything I can hide behind, I guess, since there's no doors or, or anything like that. You could hide in the lower part of the clock tower. The issue you're going to have is if they make a full search of the building with light, it's going to be very difficult for you to hide because you can only get in so many spaces because of the need to crouch down for long periods of time could be pretty painful for you. Right. Well, I will try anyway because I don't want to just be sitting out here in the open by myself with a bunch of, I'm presuming, black shirts coming in. I mean, it's a fair presumption. Or very, very scared people looking for plague carriers. I don't know. Why don't you make me a stealth roll? Stealth is only 20. Ah! 18. Ah. All right. That'll be opposed, of course. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. So would you duck in a room inside the main portion of the building or would you stay in the clock tower and try to put yourself under the staircase or something like that? I'd stay in the clock tower area because I don't want to get too far away from the group. Mm -hmm. So you stay in the clock tower area and you see through the crack of the wood there back towards a little opening that leads in here. Five men with flashlights, torches come into the space, the main portion, and they start fanning out you hear someone say someone's been in here look footsteps they're probably going to hear all the noise upstairs it is five floors so it's not like your compatriots would be super loud for no reason right I mean I could hear them from down here at several points and since they don't know anyone else is in here they have no reason to keep their voices down so I'm just assuming it's going to happen at some point okay what would you like to do? Stay put? Move up? Try to sneak back out? Move up as in go up the staircase? There's really only a couple of options afforded you. You could stay put, but you know that if they eventually come into this space with torches, there's a high likelihood that you're going to get caught. You could go up, the staircase being, of course, a huge physical exertion for you, but it is a, it is a path. Or you could attempt to exit the clock tower space, hoping that they had fanned out far enough away from the main doors to get back outside. The trouble is, is at some point they're going to come back outside too. This, of course, is all being distilled in a small glass of panic for you to ingest in the next (laughs) 15 seconds. Yes. Cheers. Thank you. So I guess I'll try going up the first flight of stairs because I, I don't want to be seen. I know I can't make it all the way up at the moment, but I can at least try going up the first flight so I can be out of sight, I hope. Okay. 
Why don't you make me a constitution roll? My con is 50, so I have a pretty good... Yep, that is hard success. 23 under 50. Okay. You make your way bravely up the first flight using that very well-made and generous railing on the way up to afford you an additional assistance with your cane. Unfortunately for you, you have to hustle. And that is bad for your hips. And also, by probably the first landing and then half again, you can start to feel the tension in the muscles in your lower back because you're not meant to move this fast. It's not pleasant. But you're on the move. Back upstairs, now that that Maggie has calmed a bit on her idea of going outside, is your plan, Miss Bellinger, to fan out and grope a few more statues? Yes, but do try not to touch the leg directly too much. Uh, just visual in inspection, uh, if you can manage. But just, uh, I just don't touch it without me. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, but I, I can't see terribly well in in this light. Um, how are you managing? Well, it's, uh, I see perfectly fine, mostly. Oh, well, you, you have excellent night vision, then, I must say. Oh, uh, superhuman, divine, you would say. Oh, I'm not entirely sure I'd go quite that far, but... Uh, oh, it does go that well, far, yes. Let's, let's look, let's look. Richard, you can't see anything with, with your device. Um, I can see lots of things, unfortunately. Um, and a little bit too much, and uh, it, it's quite overwhelming. Well, just continue to try. I will. <laughs> Speaking of that, Richard, the pink lens is giving you an awful lot of very interesting visions. Of overlaying all of these automatons are workers here putting them together. So you're getting echoes of things that have happened in the past. The actual construction of the tower itself. And you, you, you see in kind of these waves of eras. The stones being built, the gears being put in place, the automatons being put together. Uh, each one is that master's work again. And every piece of it is handcrafted. Rather well put together especially death you get a very strong pull from death when they link its bones together the shroud that covers the chest the scythe in its hand you come back more than once the workers do to work on death in terms of what we've already found of the simulacrum the size of it and the design of it Mm -hmm. Does it appear to be uh, a female form or a male form, uh, tall, small? Just want to get some sort of idea of which of these figures it would most likely be the right size for, for if a leg was being fitted to it. I'm, I'm kind of thinking probably not the lion because it's not a human figure. So maybe just give the lion a cursory glance as I kind of move, move my way through. It's a, it's a smart play. I'll tell you what. I'm going to award you five points of luck. So you remove the lion from contention. And you think to yourself, well, death is a skeleton. Death won't, de death won't have any legs. Probably not death. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. 
As far as whether it's male or female, each one of the pieces that you've collected exists in a space somewhere in between. The torso doesn't have what you would call breasts, but it does have space for perhaps a a less endowed female figure or perhaps a well-developed male figure. Sort of androgynous. Yeah, it it doesn't exist in any sort of... um, we, we, you, you might call a um, black or white portion of reality. It's somewhere in the middle or somewhere not at all. Uh, and so searching for it based on gender or your presumptions of it, it doesn't seem to narrow it down for you. The lion is easy to cut out. Death is fairly easy to cut out. And it looks like the angel has been fully groped at this point anyway. That's three of the eight that are here that you can toss out immediately. It's actually pretty helpful. Great. So, um, in terms of closest to me, which uh, which would be the the next nearest one that might be a possibility. The assassin is near you, and so is the lad. But for clarity's sake, you are going to have to walk in the middle of that M that sits and get out on the walkways here to get to them. Okay. Um, I think very kind of gingerly holding on to uh, anything that seems to be reasonably firm and stable as I go. Um, I'll just make my way to whichever one appears to be the the easiest of the two to uh, uh, those two to get to. So that's going to be the lad. Behind the lad is the assassin. So it's just just kind of a small boy in Italian clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Okay. I'll make my way over to that then. Okay. You make your way over to him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. He's about the right size as some of the rest of them. He's got this rustic clothing on, almost as if it's a peasant from Italy's past. It's a fairly significant portion of his leg exposed, too. Uh, And so getting to him seems like a good choice. Okay. If you would like to make a spot hidden as an investigation role. Okay. Um, Do I have a, a penalty eye on this because of the light? Absolutely, because of the light. I think um, I think I'll, I'll uh, take out my box of matches, see how many matches I've got, uh, and consider striking one so I can get a, a better look, so I can hold it up kind of close to the, the figurine. You have ten matches left. Oh, goodness me, that's, that's loads. Oh, you can need a pipe after this one, we know. I'm sure when I get back to the hotel, somebody at reception will lend me a, a match Right, well, I'm going to strike a, strike a match then um, okay. in order to uh, better look at, uh, at this. Okay, so uh, spot hidden if you would then. Um, do I still have a penalty die on this? Mm-mm. No, you have a match in front of you, so you'll be okay. Okay, so let's see what I can see. Well, that is a 22 under my spot hidden of 80. Hard success. So after about a minute or so of dutiful searching on the uh, the lad, the rustic lad, you surmise that while it is crafted well, likely by a artisan from the Gramancy family, it does not appear to be that same sort of opalescent or crafted, almost this strange sort of porcelain piece that uh, the simulacrum is. Okay, um, I will pass that on to the others. 
don't think it's it's not this one. It's not the the wee boy. Uh, don't think it's going to be uh, the, the the death figure or, or the the lion either. And Miss Bellinger's uh, she's already had a look at the angel, so there's not many to go through now. Well, we should split up and um, take one each. Okay. So um, to that end, Richard, are you heading to the assassin that is just beyond where Fraser is looking, or are you going? to the other side of the clock tower to get to the other ones, which have not been looked at or touched. I think go to the other side of the clock tower. You have the ability to see with the device on, but you're still penalized by the the spot rolls for the most part. My question to you is, when you see the automatons here, as you walk across the internal portions of the, uh, the clock tower, you can see there's the rustic lass, there's the soldier, the Turk, and then on the far end there, you see death. I think Richard's going to go for the Turk. All right. And then, Simon, what are you doing during this time? Are you still hand-holding a bit with Richard there to, to get a, to get around? Pretty much at this point, that's what I'm okay. doing. So for you who is without any sort of sight, because it's mostly dark up here, you get... You get by hidden rolls. Um, if you're crossing the face of this without any light, I'd like you to make a dexterity roll. 50 under 80. You put your foot through a piece of wood. Some of the wood up here is not strong enough to carry your size. And you feel your body drop unexpectedly. Lady Elizabeth, you hear that from down at your position. You hear wood break Moments later, you'd see and hear some sort of detrius fall from the top of the tower. You catch yourself, Simon, before you fall through completely, but you are now in a flat panic trying to grab at whatever you can to not fully fall completely through. Oh, I'm still holding on to Professor. I'm sure he's strong enough. Uh, he's strong enough to get yanked down with you, probably. Your strength is what? My strength is 80. Okay, yeah. So, given that you two were um, arm in arm a bit there, or at least, at least assisting one another moving around, um, Professor, I would like you to make a, a strength roll, and it's going to be opposed by Mr. Griffith's strength as well, because he's reacting to try to hold on to you to not go all the way through, and you're going to tell me if the Professor can, say, support the weight of someone as large as Simon. Just for anybody listening, uh, Richard has a strength of 40. Big strapping lad that he is. Hmm. That's a nine. Yep. Oh my. Oh no, that one's a 90. So that's a fumble. (laughs) With that fumble, I'm going to play a hand of fate against you. And so you don't hang on in so much to hold him back up. Right, to hold him up. In fact, the added weight that gets pressed down on top of this portion of the inner part of the clock tower fractures the wood even more. And it splits. Two or three big pieces of wood split here. And the two of you fall into this hole and are desperately now going to have to hang on or fall five stories to the bottom of the clock tower. How soft is Simon? I mean, he's flesh. <laughs> Just make sure he gets there, lands first. 
the two of you are stuck in the same hole and you're having to, to grasp at the floorboards that are here for some sort of tension. I believe Simon's dex is higher. His dex is, I think, 90. 80. 80. So you're going to act first. Okay. And the reason why I say act first is it's going to depend on how you choose to extricate yourself to whether or not the other person is hampered by your work. Because if you just jump out of the hole, you're going to create a vacuum. And as we all know, nature abhors a vacuum. So just take a moment, think creatively. How would Simon pull himself out of the situation? Well, Simon is actually going to hold on with one arm wrapped around, like gripped around a board or beam or whatever, as you would call it. And he's going to lift the professor up onto another beam so he can climb himself out. Mm. Because the professor should go first. All right. So I think it's got to be a strength roll to do so, to create some sort of buoy that the professor could use to, to get himself out of this situation. And that is a 22 under 80. So hard success. You, for lack of a better term, clamp onto the wood that's around you and try to stay as solid as possible. You have experience in mine shafts and places that can drop. And you know that the first and most important thing is to not panic. And so that is what you are doing. And so you will not create any further issues for the professor, but he will have to somehow now extricate himself from this situation. So what does Richard find around him? Is he kind of hands out on some planks or is he gripping on with one hand or what's what's going on? You're stretched out arms in front of you a bit trying to grab onto the floorboards here. And what's really keeping you from falling through completely is the fact that basically Simon's body is a backstop for you. And so he's essentially widened his stance almost somehow, the upper body, to keep you from falling completely through. But you know all too well how gravity works. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, he can, he won't be able to do that forever. So Richard is going to then try and find a handhold in front of him and try and pull himself up and over this wood. Okay. The only handhold, quite truthfully, that you would probably be able to find would be Simon. He's the only thing sticking out of the hole. Yeah, so basically imagine a hole in a floor and two people stuck in it at the same time. And there is only enough space for the two of them, right? And there are the friction that they're creating by being pressed against one another is creating a sort of point where neither one of them is falling through yet. Professor. Uh, yes. Pull yourself up and crawl onto the beams. If Richard's facing sort of, I guess he's either facing towards Simon or towards the outside of the hole. Yeah, you're facing towards Simon. You're basically like on his back almost. Okay. And stay flat. Don't try and stand until you're completely out. Okay. So, Maggie, what would you react to this? Would you react to it at all? I know you were going to do something before this got started. No, Maggie does not react. They'll be fine. Uh, Maggie thinks she's had an epiphany in that the gentleman's son died 
in the war and was a soldier and they said that the only thing he had was these automatons and one of the automatons is a soldier and maybe it lost a leg and it needed a leg and so that's the one maggie wants to go check out because their mind is like this is it that's where it is screw richard <laughs> richard and simon i'm going to the soldier they'll be how fine be they'll be fine how very fascinating you step over while this is this is going on, all of the chaos therein. Um, this is also <laughs> happening behind you as well. Excuse me, Richard. <laughs> Just walk over them. <laughs> she absolutely steps over the both of you. Oops, sorry. And you go directly for the soldier, being able to see him. Um, you can feel that portion of your vision, that extra light that you were getting is beginning to dim. You don't know why something inside your inside your head there's a there's a buzzing that's beginning to dim and each step you take closer towards the soldier dims it further and you see in one portion of the moonlight that's left here the ever so slightest portion of this soldier's thigh and there's just way too much silver color to it it's even though it's covered by dust, even though it's obscured, and even though time has forgotten what it once was, there is something here you are certain of it. Is this dimming of this buzz a pleasant feeling? I don't know. I suppose in your current state of mind, you're losing a bit of something that you believed made you more than mortal. Hmm. This ability to walk among the spaces here without the need for true light is something that you had gotten this sort of inner pride about. And now that seems to be um, going somewhere else. But perhaps I no longer need vision to see. I can logic through this. Certainly. I'm being freed of my human flesh body. I no longer will need vision to see. This is the right way. Flashback then to... The professor, how are you going to extricate yourself from the hole? Are you going to climb up off of his back? Well, uh, there's a thing. So it's just occurred to me that whilst I don't have a lot of experience climbing out of holes and that kind of thing, and Richard probably doesn't either, um, this sounds like a physics problem, don't you think? I think it could be turned into a physics problem. Hmm. So he's sort of thinking, well, if I push against... Simon, that would create additional friction and therefore there would be, you know, less chance that either of us would fall in. So I'm sure he could work out a way of getting out which would be risk-free and safe for both. Okay, so here's what I'll do. I will give you a physics roll in an attempt to ward off any sort of disadvantage you might incur. You're going to think through the problem. You're going to dim the shouting that's going on around you. And you're going to think about this logically. He's not brilliant at physics, by the way, but he's got some physics. 94 is not a good roll. No, it is not. You could, if you'd like, push that roll. Or just accept the failure. Or spend luck. Although, that's an awful lot of luck to spend. I don't think I've got enough luck. Well, maybe. Nothing to do here. Okay, so you're going to make a climb roll to climb out of this hole... You will do so at disadvantage as your um, 
we'll say mathematical computations and physics in the moment is um, less impressive than it is on the chalkboard at uni. So Richard has a climb of 20. Fantastic. Bugger. Mm. 78. Okay. There's not enough luck to do anything with that. There certainly isn't. Push it. You could push the roll. I will advise you that failed push rolls are bad. I, I don't I'm gonna push that. I wasn't gonna push the physics one, I'm certainly not gonna push this one. Aww. That is probably smart. Mm, five stories up. That's a failed climb roll, either way. So you fail to get out. Uh, you squirm an awful lot, which is not good for your compatriot who's in that hole with you because he has to continue to readjust to try to stay steady while you get out. So I will simply say that you make no movement, but because Simon has a hard success on his strength roll to hold you in place, no one falls to their death right now. That's a good start. Has, has enough time passed yet that um, I might have had a chance to observe and this and react to it in some way? This is about six seconds so far that's passed. So during your search, you'd hear the break. You'd see them. You'd turn, likely, I would imagine. And you'd see them begin to squirm. And then you'd see in the dim match light, you'd see the professor trying to squirm his way out. Oh, good Lord. Uh, hold on. I, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'll try and uh, get myself over to them to help pull one, mm-hmm. one or both of them out. I have a question as well at this point. So, Sure. I do not have physics, nope. but Simon has experienced some similarities in the minds. Is he able, if he had to, does he think that the surrounding beams might be strong enough that if he were to pull himself out with the professor holding on to him, that he could pull them out both? Maybe through a extreme show of strength it might be possible yes I would simply say that um, if you did you would be risking potential damage to the wood around you from the sheer force you'd be putting on it and in such a uh, a failed roll in that role at regard would be unfortunate alrighty then I am going to hold that option in reserve if we have to now that I can hear Fraser yep he's coming over Fraser the wood is weak here. Aye, aye. I suggest you lay down to spread your weight out. Aye, I'll, I'll be careful. Aye, aye. Um, and yes, I will try and keep myself low to the ground and uh, take that advice if I can. If there's, if there's space. Absolutely a good idea. In doing so, though, it's likely you're going to lose that match. Yeah, I've kind of given up on the on the match. I reckon it was going to go out to around now anyway. So, But that's, that said, through the, the moonlight here, you can make out their... Once you're close enough to them, you can make out the predicament they're in. And it is woefully, woefully a bad one. I know I do not have the strength to um, pull both of them out of it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to see if I can uh, reach and grab hold of uh, the the back of uh, Professor Courtney's collar and try and just haul him up enough that he can kind of get his elbows up and, and uh, mm-hmm. assist himself and between the two of us get, get him uh, get him back up to safety so go ahead and, and make a, a strength roll for that and then after that I'd like 
another constitution roll from Lady Elizabeth as she continues to climb the staircase. I failed that. 64 mm-hmm. over 50. I'll put a pin in that real quick. We'll come back to that in a second. And then we'll roll strength. And that is exactly a hard success. 30 under 60. Fantastic. You extricate one Professor Courtney from this terrible predicament. Um, in doing so, you will um, assist Simon in a way because he will not be carrying the professor's weight anymore. Um, but he is also, given his size, in a really bad spot, too. Yeah, you're concerned quite a bit about these floors now. Yeah, yeah. Um, once I've got um, Richard drag, dragged up and uh, I'm, I'm uh, satisfied that he is uh, not in an imminent danger, I'll uh, turn my attention to Simon as well and kind of hold on to him while he pulls himself out just you know, in case his hands slip or something. Fraser, Fraser, make sure the professor backs far enough away. We don't want to have too much weight in this area. I, I, I talk. Professor, are you... Uh, yes, I'll, I'll go back the other side. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sort of okay, I think. Right. Good man, good man. So, Lady Elizabeth, um, I am going to play a hand of fate for you to make that success a hard success which you'll need to continue climbing the stairs so you find a second wind to continue up past the second and into the third and it's at this point now through the moonlight which is (laughs) now coming through the floor um, you can sort of see that things have gone in in a very very difficult direction for your compatriots Um, But you are still somehow carrying on. You've got uh, a head of steam, as it were, and you're you're not so much making the quickest ascent, but you are ascending nonetheless. And it is not a moment too soon as torchlight breaks into the lower portion of the clock tower. Several torches got an adrenaline rush from all the noise worried that something's going very wrong up there mm-hmm. uh, so Miss Bellinger would you make me a spot hidden roll please I gladly will that is a 28 under 41 hmm. you see it there just beneath the dust you see the left leg attached to the soldier it is there within your grasp, should you wish it. Oh, I do. I would grab it in a very loving, tender manner as well. There's almost a, a calmness that takes over you and takes over the rest of the clock tower. You feel a peace come over you. Like an important milestone has been reached in your own divinity. And as you remove this leg... There is a sound behind you as mechanical gears begin to move. And as they do, everyone in the clock tower begins to hear this internal mechanics begin to shudder. The gears of the clock tower come to life. I, I think it's about time we got out of here. Um, I... The- the, 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 the bell will sound. We, we need to leg it. Right, off you go then. Off you go then, Professor. Lead away um, and look out for Lady Elizabeth. 
Oh, she she's down um down on the uh, ground floor. I'm sure she'll be fine. Yes, well, why, why don't you go and and, uh, and make sure yourself in in person? The small doors to the left and the right hand side of the clock open as the gears begin to turn and the automatons begin to move. And as they do, a figure steps through one of those doors. And in rhythm with this figure's footsteps, the automatons step off the railings. And that is where we'll call this episode to a close. So thank you so much for joining us on another one of our adventures in Venice. I'm certain that uh, our investigators will get um, quite the kick out of what happens next. Thank you and good night.